Welcome in to another new podcast from the Association for Materials Protection and Performance. My name is Ben Dubose, and I'm a staff writer with Materials Performance Magazine, also known as MP. Today, in the latest episode of our MP interview series, we're continuing our new mini-series, if you will, spotlighting some of the newer technologies that are designed to help out with the ongoing war against corrosion. In late April, as many of you are likely aware, we announced the 2021 winners of the MP Corrosion Innovation of the Year Awards program. These winners, which you can read about at materialsperformance.com, were graded and judged by a panel of industry experts across numerous fields and sectors within corrosion control. Anyway, over the coming weeks and months, we're inviting each of these winning groups onto the podcast to talk a bit more about their innovation and how they think it can potentially change the corrosion industry in the years ahead. We started off last week with Harvey Hack and Jim Wingassen of Northrop Grumman Undersea Systems. You can find that episode in our archives. And today we have Tony DaCosta, Vice President of Engineering at Mobile Techs. Tony, good afternoon. How are you? Very good, Ben. How are you doing today? Can't complain. Thanks for taking the time to join us. And Tony, I think a good place to start, if you could just give us a little bit of background on your position, your career in the industry, your role with mobile techs. And well, actually, before we even um, get to you in particular, I guess if you could just for anyone not familiar with mobile techs, uh, fill our listeners in about what you all do and then give us a little bit of your personal background as well. So mobile techs um, came into being in 1985. Uh, we started out uh, in communications very early on connecting uh, mobile data systems with uh, centralized data uh, platforms. We've uh, continued that on uh, through into the um, cathodic protection space where we're doing remote monitoring of, uh, of pipeline parameters uh, specifically related to, uh, to cathodic protection. We um, design and build all of our equipment in-house and uh, we also um, have our own data platform that all of those IoT devices uh, report into. As far as my background, um, as you mentioned, I'm uh, currently VP of Engineering for Mobile Techs. I uh, hold a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering from the University of British Columbia and also hold a, a NACE CP1 certification. I uh, started my engineering career in Vancouver 29 years ago, where uh, I was involved in the design of mobile digital radio systems that were uh, really a precursor to today's cellular systems. And there I uh, worked with the design of digital analog and RF systems. Also part of that role involved working closely with uh, production on new product introductions. Then uh, decided to move to Calgary and started working for Harris Wireless on digital signal processing algorithms for digital cellular base stations. And finally, I joined Mobile Techs 22 years ago as a hardware design engineer. I took on more responsibility for systems design and gradually transitioned to a management role through those years. While at Mobile Techs, I've had responsibility for development of most of the current product portfolio. And it's a portfolio that I'm really quite proud of. So did you ever imagine when you first started out, I mean, that's an interesting background, that you'd be going down the corrosion path? What was the point in which, you know, you started transitioning your software expertise to this particular industry and saw what the potential might be? The, the transition really occurred when I uh, moved to mobile techs. Mm -hmm. 
at that point in time, the uh, remote monitoring of corrosion was uh, was actually a very small sliver of our uh, business. But uh, we did have product that was already being used by uh, customers in the field, and mm -hmm. we started seeing more and more demand for uh, the remote monitoring of uh, of these assets to uh, to keep them protected. So it, it really grew from that. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I suppose it's a pretty interesting case study, just your background on how widespread this industry can be in which, you know, we don't know exactly what it's going to be in the coming years, but at the same time, you never know when a newer technology that emerges is potentially going to be able to make a dent in this industry as well. So I would think that your background is sort of a hopeful one for a lot of folks and that even if you don't necessarily go to school or whatever it is to be a corrosion engineer, there might be a way that you help out the industry down the line just within these new technologies. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the amount of technology that we're seeing going into um, into pipelines these days is just incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, previously, we saw a lot of people that would be doing uh, manual, tedious work to maintain these pipelines, mm -hmm. and now it's uh, it's possible to sit in your office and yep. uh, attain that same level of uh, of visibility into that asset with without having to leave, and you're able to get a much better data set on how those assets are, are operating. So it, technology is just uh, a game changer for, uh, for this industry. Yeah, absolutely. We usually do a couple of rapid fire personal questions towards the end of these podcast interviews, but I thought I would sneak that in on the front end just because when you were explaining your background, I think it's always so interesting when you get someone who didn't know all along that they were going to necessarily be in the corrosion engineering field, that it's sort of the evolution of technology and the modern world that lends itself to seeing some of these outside technologies make a dent in our industry as well. I certainly did not know from my perspective that I was going to be a corrosion journalist, if you will. It just sort of happened by uh, happenstance, I suppose. And at the same time, I think it's probably good because then you bring in outside perspectives as well. Anyway, Tony, to circle back to the origins of our discussion, tell our listeners about your winning innovation. What is it and how does it work? Right, so our innovation, the uh, CoreTalk RMU1 with uh, INT1 interruption peripheral, really represents the uh, cathodic protection industry's first permanently installed battery-powered remote monitoring device that enables GPS synchronized interruption for critical bonds and sacrificial anodes. The um, RMU1, which is the controller for the whole system, uh, adds two-way communications, enabling it to receive commands and to control that new INT1 uh, peripheral device for the, uh, the synchronization in, of the um, interruption waveform. The uh, innovation eliminates the need for technicians to install portable interrupters to break bonds or interrupt sacrificial anodes during annual or, annual or indirect survey activities. The um, product can be installed within minutes inside a standard three-inch test station. That allows field technicians to greatly expand the remote monitoring and interruption programs 
to improve operating efficiency, accuracy of measurements, achieve compliance, and ultimately improve the safety of field personnel and the public. So how long have you all been working on this? And I suppose, what was sort of the driving force to develop this technology? Let me uh, start off with a little bit of background on cathodic protection. Mm -hmm. and apologies to all of the CP experts out there. <laughs> you, you know this inside note. Normally, uh, pipelines are protected against electrochemical corrosion, more commonly known as rust by coatings that are applied to the outside of pipes. However, uh, inevitable defects in the coating allow uh, contact between the metal and the pipe and the surrounding environment, which leads to rusting of the pipe at the um, coating defect location. This uh, rusting eventually leads to perforation of the pipe and along with that leaks of the uh, product carried by the pipeline. Mm -hmm. Now, instead of fixing coatings, which would be difficult uh, to accomplish on buried pipe, impressed uh, current rectifiers and sacrificial uh, galvanic anodes are installed to polarize that pipeline, uh, which prevents the normal chemical reaction that causes rust at the defect locations. Mm -hmm. So the, the two systems collectively are, are known as cathodic protection. There are um, test stations uh, at locations uh, typically spaced at increments of one mile or less, where then a variety of readings can be taken on that pipe. Mm -hmm. So to uh, validate the operation of the rectifiers and sacrificial uh, anodes and their effectiveness in preventing corrosion, measurements are made of critical parameters along the pipeline at test stations during annual surveys and close interval surveys. These uh, measurements are compared against standard protection criteria values to gauge proper operation of the rectifier and galvanic anode systems. Mm -hmm. now, some of those uh, measurements require that all sources of protection current be removed while the measurements are made. And these uh, measurements are known as instant off potentials. But um, those protection current sources uh, must be reconnected after the measurement is made so as to maintain that protection level. And this uh, removal and restoration of protection uh, current sources is known as interruption. Mm -hmm. The uh, availability of uh, AC line power at rectifiers made it uh, simple to create remote monitoring units that have become uh, ubiquitous for gathering measurements, but also enabling interruption of those rectifiers. Unfortunately, uh, rectifiers aren't the only sources of uh, instant off potential errors on the, uh, the pipeline. So bonds and sacrificial anodes are uh, a different matter in terms of remote monitoring and control. Fortunately, at um, bond and galvanic anode installation sites, AC line power is not usually available. With that, uh, bonds and galvanic anodes rarely had uh, remote monitoring with uh, interruption capability as uh, this would typically require a, a remote monitoring unit that was battery powered with uh, solar augmentation. Solar panels are expensive and always a target for theft and uh, vandalism. Mm -hmm. So th this dictated that either portable interrupters were deployed to bond and galvanic anodes during surveys, or they were simply disconnected. And disconnecting uh, completely creates time periods where protection is not being applied to the uh, pipeline segments at those locations. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Also, um, survey crews need to remember to go back and reconnect all the disconnected equipment after um, survey completion. So back to your original question, it was actually two of our larger customers that approached us to come up with a solution for the problem of being able to interrupt bonds and galvanic anodes using a permanently installed remote monitoring unit. They were uh, seeing inefficiencies in their survey jobs, as well as data that wasn't always reflective of protection levels throughout the year. Our experience uh, with designing low-power battery-operated remote monitoring units gave us the ability to turn those requests into the product that we have today, the uh, RME-1 with the INT-1. And with that product, those customers are now able to interrupt their bonds and galvanic anodes right from the comfort of their office while getting rich data throughout the year on their asset protection levels. We um, started the RME-1 INT-1 development project in May 2019, had uh, field trial units installed by January 2020. We then uh, took the feedback from the, uh, the field trials, modified the design slightly, and had final commercial release by mid-March 2020. So what type of field testing was there? What were sort of the environments that you put this to collect data in and just in general give an overview of sort of how the the field testing process went and why you guys were so confident that this would uh, ultimately work as well as it has? Field testing uh, included the deployment and testing of five beta units installed um, across sites uh, located throughout North America during uh, late January and early February uh, 2020. In uh, mid-February 2020, we received uh, initial feedback uh, and data from the first customer to have installed the RME-1 on uh, its CP assets. We, uh, we observed uh, clean interruption waveforms uh, that were evident in the interrupted survey recordings. And that was a, a good indication that the RME-1 with the INT-1 was working as planned. And we, uh, we received additional feedback from customers that participated in the field testing exercises. All in all, it was uh, a positive affirmation before the commercial launch. So what's the interface like for users? I know it's a little difficult to illustrate this in a podcast format, but at the same time, if our listeners want to learn more, of course, you can go to materialsperformance.com. You can go to the awards website. You can find a lot more information uh, about this innovation and see some graphic depictions as well. You can also check out the Mobile Tech's website. But just broadly speaking, what's the interface like and with the platform, what types of information is available and how is it accessed? Certainly. So the backbone of a strong IoT system is always how the device transmits the data and uh, how that data is stored, accessed, and visualized. Our uh, remote monitoring units leverage uh, cellular and satellite networks to provide connectivity from the field device to the cloud. With uh, access to RMU and CP asset data, our CoreView software platform allows uh, operators to use those communications technologies in a flexible manner, choosing whichever technology is best suited for that location. Now the, uh, the transmitted measurement data, whether it be potentials, currents, pressures, or any other parameter being sampled by the remote monitors is stored and organized in CoreView. That's our uh, data repository and web portal, which uh, allows users to access the data 
and enables users to schedule those survey interruption events um, I described before. It's an intuitive platform that tailors well to uh, the unique needs of various user profiles that use it, from field technicians, CP supervisors, and engineers, to integrity managers even. Platform is uh, also available in app form, which uh, complements well with our line of uh, configuration apps used for each of our products. Essentially, anywhere that an internet connection is present, access to the data and control functionality is available to the users. And with uh, the next release of CoreView that is coming this summer, we uh, aim to give our users the ability to interface with the data on the platform in a uh, flexible manner by offering new application programming interfaces. It'll uh, now be possible to even load data directly into Microsoft Access or Power BI by simply configuring CoreView as another data source in those applications. So it's, uh, it's an exciting future that uh, will allow traditionally disparate data sets to be pulled in together for meaningful analysis. And also, as part of that release, we uh, will also start introducing analytics capabilities directly into the platform. A um, common complaint is that of data overload with remote monitoring systems. Mm -hmm. uh, false positives on alarming um, cause complacency when results, um, which results in true alarms being missed. And that uh, sea of data that comes in from all of those remote monitoring units just becomes a blur. So uh, what if we started applying machine learning to those alarms to determine which are likely to be true alarms based on historical information? Or how about analytics on that sea of data to start making predictive failure analysis? We can uh, let users focus on other tasks to ensure asset integrity while some smart algorithms help analyze all that data that's coming in from the uh, remote monitoring units. So this became commercially available in basically March 2020, right? That's correct. Okay, so it's been a little over a year. You mentioned the sea of data as certainly one thing that I'm sure you've heard from customers, clients, what have you. Uh, is there any other general themes with the feedback you've gotten over this first year? What are you generally hearing from uh, from your users or even people that are just sort of potentially interested in using this in the future? What are you hearing from them? As far as the RME1 INT1 is concerned, uh, the feedback during the first year has all been very positive. Uh, we did re receive a request for a mechanical change to allow the unit to be less visible in certain um, install situations where theft or vandalism is prevalent. We uh, accommodated that through a simple um, mounting system that was provided to the customer within a month. The, a second request was related to very customer-specific requirement in measuring a potential on an unprotected coupon with the uh, timing being synchronized to a rectifier uh, interruption. After uh, analyzing the request, we uh, we determined that a simple firmware change um, could be made to have that happen. Uh, we provided that change to the customer, and now that same customer is expanding the use of the product because of that added functionality. And this was even though it was an unintended uh, target for this product. Mm -hmm. But uh, as far as the uh, the data analysis is concerned, we are. Uh, we are seeing a lot of excitement in the field uh, around the area of analytics. It's uh, It's been traditionally 
an area where data has been kept in disparate databases, filed away, and not really put to its full potential. So now the ability to take all of those disparate sets and come up with some meaningful predictions is uh, is an area where a lot of our customers are uh, are seeing that as the future. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask you about changes or updates that are potentially coming down the pike for this technology. You already sort of mentioned it with the increased use of analytics. So I think I'll reframe that question. What is the timetable moving forward? Do you sort of have a best guess? You know, are we talking a few months? Are we talking a year or two as far as when you can potentially integrate more of these analytics, this machine learning that you talked about? It seems pretty clear that that's sort of the updates to this system moving forward. Do you have sort of an idea as to what the time frame might look like? Certainly. So our uh, our first analytics um, framework is going to be going into the system as of this summer. Okay. That'll that'll be in beta test phase, um, and it's um, it's a system that's going to be helping with that overload of alarms. Mm-hmm. We, um, we actually just filed a patent on, uh, on that algorithm, so we, uh, we expect to have that uh, in place uh, as it works, it, way th- works its way through the patent system. Uh, beyond that, we already have a full roadmap of other uh, analytics features that we'll be rolling out over the next year. We're, uh, we're working with um, many of our customers very closely to uh, address some of the uh, the features that they would like to see in that area. We're wrapping up here with Tony DaCosta, Vice President of Engineering at MobileTex. Um, Tony, the last question for you, I'll split it into two parts. First off, uh, is there anything about the innovation that we haven't already covered that you'd like to throw out to our audience? And then secondly, for our listeners that want to learn more about the product, the technology, you, the company, whatever it may be, how can those listeners access that? Be it your website, email, basically any uh, contact information, excuse me, that you would like to throw out. So Tony, if you could, let's wind down by uh, letting you address those subjects. Certainly. On the RMU1 INT1, I think uh, we've addressed most of the, uh, the points there. And um, if any of our listeners uh, would like to um, either get more information or um, do a trial run of the product with a demo, uh, please do contact us. And the users can get more information on the RMU1 INT1 solution or any of our other products at our website at www.mobiletext.com. And Ben, uh, I'd like to thank you for having me on and uh, giving me a chance to go over our innovation. Yep, absolutely. Congratulations again for being one of our winners this year. You're always a joy to deal with, so I'm happy to see your success, your company's success, and glad that we can spotlight this more because definitely the feedback on this seems pretty promising. So I'm glad to give it a little bit uh, further spotlight, if you will, and hopefully some more people can... um, learn about the interesting things that you all are doing.
anyway, that's where we can leave things today. If you want more information, Tony mentioned where you can get in touch with mobile techs or learn more. And then for us, uh, as far as those of us at AMP, you can do that at the AMP website, ampp.org. And you can also visit materialsperformance.com for all sorts of news and info related to the corrosion control industry. Also, if you've not already subscribed to this podcast or you haven't left it a five-star review, please do. That definitely helps us out. We're available at Apple, Google, Spotify, and virtually all the major podcast distributors. With that, we'll sign off. Once again, for Tony DaCosta, my name is Ben DuBose. Thanks, as always, for listening, and please come back soon for another podcast episode from the MP Interview Series.